Welcome to another insight into the work we do here at the faculties of South Mims U. We're coming to you from our temporary seminar room and lecture theatre above the Black Horse pub in this quaint little Hertfordshire village. So you can probably hear the hum of the M25, that great ring road that encircles the vast urban expanse of Greater London. It's almost musical, it's almost zen-like. In fact, we have some students working on a theory that the white noise generated by traffic can be used to, su to supplement the deep mental landscapes which can be generated by Tibetan throat singing. But that's for another podcast. Today we want to talk about mediocrity. And who best to do so than our very own Professor Emeritus of one of our most popular departments here at South Mims, Elise Vandenbeek. I'd dispute that description. Uh, which description? That my department is popular. It's fairly middling in terms of student uptake. Yeah, but, but it's one of the leading centres for the study of mediocrity in the world. No, it isn't. It's average. I've been told applications are rising. Only somewhat. But your peer-reviewed papers have been cited more and more over the last few years. No more or less than other uh, academics. Uh, of course, I see. You measure success in terms of being average, mediocre. I get it. It's not success if it's mediocre. No, no, no I get it. I get it. No, no, you misunderstand. We truly are mediocre when it comes to academic achievement. Yeah, you could characterise it that way, but I see what you're doing. No, you don't see what I'm doing. So you're Dutch? I'm not Dutch. Well, the Dutch are a very tall people. They certainly aren't mediocre in the height stakes or, or the beer stakes. Uh, and chocolates. Very good chocolates. The Belgians are better. But the Dutch are friendly. They win the prize when it comes to being friendly. <laughs> the Italians are friendlier. You don't want to be a success, I take it. First, I am not Dutch. Uh, Van den Beek is a very Dutch kind of name. It's Flemish. So you're Flemish? A very mediocre people, that's good. No, I'm from Slough. Oh. I'm married to a Flemish man. But Slough! Well, that's the best mediocre city in England. It can't be both the best and mediocre. Well, let's not argue about semantics. It's not semantics. Well, what is it then? It's a struggle of liberation. It's a fight against the false culture of success. In truth, life is mediocre. Success isn't what makes humanity a success. Mediocrity is. Being good enough is what has sustained us, not being the best. That's a neoliberal construct which has caused untold suffering amongst humans for generations. We all strive to be the best, and when we can't, and we don't have to be, we, we just need to be good enough. Good enough. Excellence is rare, genius is even rarer, but we live at times when success so-called genius and the search for excellence have become an all-consuming cult. It makes us depressed, it makes us angry, and it's undermining the performance of humanity, perhaps even its survival. In fact, many believe that the search for excellence and its parallel, ultimate efficiency and optimization is stripping us bare as humans. It's impoverishing us, and it's going to mean that most of us become surplus to requirements. Well, that's quite a statement. I just thought mediocrity was coming forth in the sack race. Coming forth should be good enough. It wasn't for my dad. Coming forth was humiliation. How did that make you feel? Not good. Uh, let's not get into that. No, it's important. Well, my father didn't speak to me for a week. Did you try harder at games? Yes. Did you ever come first? No. And has that scarred you? A little. 
What about your relationship with your father? Never been good. So the focus on excellence, even in something as mundane as a school sports day sack race, has long-term implications for your mental health. Well, I wouldn't quite put it like that. It's why you have that nervous tick when you blink repeatedly when you're anxious, isn't it? Well, don't, don't, don't say it. Oh, God. And now, now I can't stop. Em embrace the mediocre. Fourth is just fourth. It's good enough. You took part. You tried your best. That's it. It's all over. But then aren't we falling into that trap where, where we give everyone a cup for coming way down the running order? Sure, that's how the neoliberals characterise it. They say there's prizes for snowflakes. But what they're really saying is, fuck off, you're useless. Oh, are they? By dismissing the efforts of the majority, which always fall into the median range, they're basically saying that, yes. I think we should just say it out loud. Say it plainly. Say how they think it. To them, we are all losers, and they'd rather we just went off and died. OK, well, I, st I still think, so think that's a bit strong. It's the truth. Right, so when you use the word mediocre, are you sure that, that, that that's the right word? I'm reclaiming it. In Middle French and Latin, it meant middling, commonplace, halfway to the top, halfway is where most of us are, and that's good enough. If we accept that, then we would all have much easier and more fulfilling lives. We'd be able to focus on what the very human things that really makes us happy. Our families, which don't have to be full of beauty, successful people who earn lots of money, they just need to be middling people who know how to have a good time and try their best at whatever they do. But what happens if you turn out to be a genius or your child does? Well, that's fine. We celebrate that. But we don't turn that achievement into something that we can all strive for. We can't. We need to accept outliers for what they are. Special, game-changing, unique, but not something that we can all emulate. So why do you think that we're taught to believe that we can all be special? It's a balm. A balm? A meme balm. A political balm. A soothing theory that makes us accept the so-called reality that the people who have great wealth and power deserve to have great wealth and power because they are special. They came first in the sack race. And fuck everyone else. Uh, um, I, I think it's best not to um, use those kinds of words in this podcast. I mean, South Mims U needs to abide by certain educational codes. Fuck is a very mediocre word. A good, solid word. Why not use well, it? It's not that I'm a prude or anything. You but sound like one. I'm just worrying that our students and potential students might be put off. What you mean is the best students. That's the underlying desire of all colleges. They want only the best so they can publish glowing numbers and attract more students. We don't want the best. We want ordinary. Most of us are ordinary. Most of us are in the middle. The middle is where humanity should be. It's how we survive. Survive? I thought that in the Darwinian struggle for life, it's only the fittest who survive. Well, there you've made a few errors. I didn't mean it in any <laughs> neoliberal sense. You didn't mean it, but it's what you said. First, Darwin didn't say survival of the fittest. Herbert Spencer did. The arch self-help guy. The prime mover in this idea that everything must be the best. Everything must be optimised. Nothing must be wasted. 
especially human traits. But waste is bad. Waste might be, but redundancy isn't. Redundancy? I'm getting confused. Darwin accepted the shadow of the idea that the fittest survive. He did it late in his life, after Spencer made the easier to understand meme that only the fittest survive popular. Evolution was a journey towards excellence, the best possible species for the conditions in which they lived. But the point is that the best possible isn't what survives. There's a lot of waste in nature. There's a lot of redundancy in the sense that nature produces far too much of many things. For instance, male sperm. Uh, okay, uh, sperm. Each time you ejaculate... Well, not me specifically. <laughs> yes, you specifically. You are the only man here. Well, uh, well Tracy, our sound technician, is... Uh, well, she, you're transitioning, aren't you, Tracy? Yeah. He's... She... Uh, she just nodded. What has that got to do with sperm? Nothing. Sorry. You are a prude, aren't you? Okay, sperm. Continue. You produce millions, billions in each orgasmic spurt of joy. Y yes? If you say so, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Why? Uh, just because. I mean, so that one of those spermatozoa has a chance to meet the woman's egg. But you don't need millions per go, do you? Nature obviously thinks that you do. I do. You do. Well, I that, mean, me. That's the problem. Nature thinks. Nature isn't a consciousness. It's just how the Earth works right now. And that changes. What successful species do is to generate too much stuff so that they have a safety net. It's not optimised, it's not the best, it's good enough. The true meaning of mediocre. I think I see what you mean, actually. This is a theory that Daniel S. Milo puts forward in an important book. Good enough, the tolerance of mediocrity in nature and society we're hoping he'll come and give a series of lectures here at South Mims. So we're not talking about survival of the fittest, but survival of the good enough. Aha! Now you're getting it. <laughs> but, but in society, we, we do need to optimise. I mean, if you talk to our business studies professors... The... Professor, we only have one. Uh, no, we have a whole MBA team. <clears throat> Elise, please. Sorry. <laughs> Our MBA team merely produces fodder for the capitalist product project, sorry, which is to enrich the already rich and depress the working and middle classes who are, in essence, becoming just one great class of what they call losers. Right, I know you're not a fan of the MBA programme. They focus on numbers. People are not numbers. They work to optimise everything, but what they are really doing is stripping everything down to nothing but capital, money, using automation and technology to expel the human from every endeavour in the hope that pure money will just grow. But who will buy what they make? If everyone's on the breadline, who will buy what they make? So, so businesses should not optimise? No, they don't have to. They should be good enough. The companies and organisations which are more resilient to economic shocks are the ones who have more people than they need, more stuff than they need. They're not paired to the bone. They have some fat. They can survive. They are, strangely, more agile than the thin companies. Like like when a famine comes, you, you need some stores and some fat to get through it. You understand? Yes, that's how it works. And, and, and what has that to do, though, with the culture of success that you spoke about before? 
Okay, if we are brought up to only believe that we must be lean and mean, then we set ourselves up for failure, which depresses us. It makes us cynical. It makes us lethargic. Some of us get angry and start to crave fascist leaders. Okay, sorry, fascism? Fascism is a strange mix. It's the angry, nasty side of people who can't accept their own mediocrity. They feel that there must be a reason for their failure to be amongst the elite. So they blame minorities, become nationalists. They run after legends and stories of war and battle. But if they accept the idea that being in the middle is normal, is good, they won't be angry. Yes, that's my contention. So an acceptance of mediocrity... In its true sense. In its true sense, is a protection against fascism. Yes, and the ravages of neoliberalism. Sorry, neoliberalism. Yes. I had trouble with that word. It's one of your favourite words, though, isn't it? <laughs> but, I mean, with shelves and shelves of self-help books and all those business gurus talking about efficiency and optimization, how can you get people to understand what is... <laughs> if you forgive me for saying, quite a complex idea. It's not complex, it's simple. It's an ordinary idea. Just accept being ordinary, being human, being the same as most people. So we don't exception, exceptional people? <laughs> of course we accept them. We even celebrate them. But we don't all believe that we can be like them. Or if we work hard, we will inevitably be like them. The old saying that if you believe enough and work hard enough, you will succeed at whatever you want to succeed in, is a myth. A dangerous myth. It only leads to disappointment. We all need hope though, don't we? What did you want to be when you were young? Me? Oh, oh I don't think that's relevant. It's very relevant. Um, well, I wanted to play professional cricket. Did you? Well, I played cricket for the South Mims Old Farts. Is that professional cricket? Far from it. No, it's just what it says on the tin. Tin? We're old. We're farts. We play cricket on the village green. Does that make you happy? Well, it does. Why? I'm playing cricket with some mates and then having some, a few beers. Simple. Mediocre? More than mediocre. It's bad, but funny bad. My point exactly. You didn't play in the World Cup winning England cricket team. Only exceptional players did. But that doesn't matter. You accept that. You're at peace with your mediocrity. It's a philosophical benefit. I see. Yeah. You know, you're right. Does the disappointment of not playing professional cricket gnaw at you at night? Does it make you angry and want to become a fascist? Oh, no, no. <laughs> then you're at peace with your ordinariness. And that helps you be at peace with working at South Mims. And not Yale or Oxford. Or Harvard. Well, I mean, that would be nice. But does it make you physically ill when you think of what might have been? No. You're at peace. You know, Elise, yes, I am. I am at peace. Thank you. <laughs> Don't thank me. It's you who are at peace. No, no, but you made me realise it. You're good enough. I'm good enough. So enjoy being good enough, being a good enough human being. I will. Thank you. If students sign up to my course, they will learn not only how to be good enough, but why it's the key to solving many of our problems in society, in international relations, in business. What qualifications do you need? Oh, not many. Middling grades will do. <laughs> of course. Yes, I should have guessed. <laughs> Most grades are middling. And for me, they're the best because they don't put pressure on young people to maintain excellence for the rest of their lives. 
it's less stressful. You have a happier life at C and B grades than A star. Star. Sounds like a research project. It is. <laughs> Elise van den Beek, it's been a pleasure and a revelation. I think this might just be the best podcast of the ones we've done at South Mims U. <laughs> it's just a good enough one. It's middling. It's okay. It's taught us something. And now we can go on with exploring more of the world and our feelings. Good point. Thank you, Elise. My pleasure. Okay, well, that's the end of this podcast. Please look out for more of our podcasts from the campus here at South Mims U. Now I think it's time for that pint down the bar. Goodbye. <laughs>